0: Well, good morning, West Ridge. Morning. Just when you thought it was safe to come back to church, I'm back to ask you the burning question once again. Can you wear white denim after Labor Day? <laughs> no, that's not the burning question. <clears throat> the burning question is what we just sang about, and that is, is it still a brand new you? How many of you were around in July when we talked about a brand new you? Just my wife and I, Darren was there once, okay, pretty much what I expected. We talked about becoming a new and different person. Jesus calls us to a life that's more than prohibitions. He calls us to a life that is inspiring, that is compelling, that is urgent. He challenges us to be known for more than just what we don't do. We're drawn, not pushed, to the kind of life He offers. He frees us to dance, not stagger, through life. Life that's real living. This is the life that is situationally aware. It's attentive to what's going on. This is the life that has self-control. You don't have to eat the marshmallow. This is the life that's transparent. We own who we are and where we've been. This is the courageous life Eddie would go. This life is characterized more than anything else by the way we truly love one another. I think the Apostle Peter knew the importance of of tying all of our virtues together in love when he writes in his first letter, these words. Take a peek at it. Now that you've cleaned up your lives by following the truth, love one another. But then watch this phrase that follows. It's powerful. It gets left off a lot of times. As if your lives depended on it. Your new life is not like your old life. And then later on, the same letter, he writes, Most of all, love each other. What? As if your life depended on it. Love makes up for practically anything. Now, we'll never be a new and different person until we fill our heart with love. But watch this. Becoming a new person is not Optional. Living depends upon it. Did you get that? Living depends upon it. Without love, you may exist, but you're not alive. Living depends upon what? Loving. Turns out. Turns out love is not blind. Turns out love actually sharpens our eyesight. So let's look at a few ways that love helps us see life for the first time. Love's sight corrective number one. Love gets us involved. Financially successful businessman wrote these words. I've had a massive blind spot all these years about things emotional. Because I... I never experienced many feelings. I I didn't have intimacy with my own feelings and couldn't feel sensitivity to other people's feelings. As a child, my family was cold. And I decided that touching and hugging and loving that other kids received, well, that was for weaklings and babies. I I believed it was foolish to be anything other than strong and independent and unemotional. I couldn't see the value of taking just an extra moment for someone's birthday or anniversary or buying flowers or celebrating a job well done or just listening to someone as a way of connecting with them, it just didn't seem important. Frankly, I didn't even know how to do those things. I wasn't aware of the emotional side of my personal and work life. I lived my life doing so I wouldn't have to feel. I, I don't have to tell you. The kind of distance from others, building of walls, emotional numbness, is not living. Now, love tells us it's okay to feel. Love tells us it's okay to get involved. Because we can only know some things by loving them. Getting involved does wonders for the eyes of our soul. It enables us to see things we would never ever otherwise see. You can read about poverty, but until you visit an impoverished place and look into the eyes of the people who live there, you'll never really know it, feel it, do something significant about it. Love and compassion always have to have a face attached to it. And you'll never have that personal association unless you get involved. If you don't get involved, you won't live. You'll never fully have this great gift of love for others, particularly this great gift of love for others different than you. And yours will be the life that ends up being impoverished. Without love, we remain forever allergic to the other. It's not love to like people like you. That's an affinity group that gets marketed to. That's not what the Bible uses for this word, love. And you don't need a passport to get involved with those culturally and socioeconomically and racially different from you. You can drive 45 miles to a non-touristy Chicago neighborhood and get involved with the other. I don't know whether you've noticed this year or not, in the city of Chicago where I live, as of August 7th, there have been 1,647 people shot. No, I didn't say Afghanistan. I didn't say Iraq. I said the city of Chicago. 2011, over 2,200 people shot. And they happen in just a few neighborhoods. I'm pretty sure you could travel 2,000 cultural miles in about an hour, visiting some Chicago neighborhoods. And I'm guessing the same is true for parts of King County or the city of Elgin, and that's why we give you opportunities. They're in today's program. And I'm sure those from this church who have gone to Haiti could tell you the same thing. Love has a face attached to it, and we can only see some things by getting involved. Every year I teach two one-week classes in New York City for some Christian colleges, and, uh, and every year, some, perhaps most, come with preconceptions and misconceptions about this big, bad city, New York City, the big, biggest and baddest Babylon of them all. And every year, I have to draw it out of them. What are your biases? Well, here are my biases. People aren't friendly. Everyone in New York City is a godless Pagan. Everyone's out to con you. Everyone's out to take your money. Everyone is insensitive. Everyone's uncaring. Everyone has a haircut like Donald Trump. (laughs) And I love watching the transformation that takes place by the end of the week. After they've taken the subway all week long. After they've visited churches and ministries that are sacrificing to make a difference in one of the world's most influential cities. After they've encountered people on the street and in restaurants, that were genuinely kind. After all of that, they see the city. Some, for the first time, the way God sees the city. Full of people that He loves. Some of whom don't yet love Him, and may never love Him, if we don't see the city the way He does. Love gets us involved. Now, I did not love Koreans, but until I visited Seoul a couple of times and smelled the kimchi, I never had so many loving faces to put in my memory and ignite that fire of love that I have for this front, uh, to this day for Koreans. I did not love Latinos, But until I had the privilege of working with a Latino pastor and starting a Spanish language service, I didn't have the depth of love that God wanted the new me to have. God wants a new me. And I have to get involved to get that new me. Love gets us involved. And once we're involved, guess what happens? Our love grows. Guess what happens after that? We get more involved. And guess what happens after that? Our love grows even more. And then, and then, and only then, we start living. We start living. Life depends upon love. And living depends upon the kind of love that gets us involved. Sight corrective number two. Love sees through our labels. Now, we have a tendency to put labels on people. Let's not admit we don't. The way designers sew labels on their clothes. And then we let those labels tell us who people are and what they're worth. If we value intelligence in children, we can label them fast learners or slow learners. And the first question we ask them is how they're doing in school. If we value money, we might label people as wealthy or poor. And the first thing we want to know about them is how much money they make. If we value physical appearance, we might automatically label people attractive or unattractive. And the first thing we want to know about someone we've not met, it has to do with physical attributes. Now, I also have to tell you, we're trying to keep it real here at Westridge. Some people are poorer, slower, and uglier than other people. And, you know, you poor, slow, ugly people know who you are. <laughs> hey, I don't have to point that out today. But, but, love allows us to see past the labels of the unlovely and accept them based upon the only label that counts. The one label that counts is one all of us have in common regardless of our race, our wealth, our intellect, our beauty. Here's the only label that counts. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There, you sinner. I'm a sinner. That's our label. We missed the mark. All of us miss the mark. Now, you can be a pretty and smart sinner, or you can be a dowdy, slow sinner, but at the end of the day, guess what? You're still just a sinner. From God's perspective, I'm as fallen as the person who wears the worst label that I can imagine. Love sight, corrective number three. Love sees through our insecurities. Frequently when we encounter a group of people we'd like to impress, like I'm trying to impress you right now and failing miserably at it, I can tell. (laughs) We start scanning through certain questions in our minds. Will these people like me? Will they even notice me? Will they think my ideas are worth hearing? Or will they think I'm slightly ridiculous? Will they ridicule me? Will they shame me? But as long as I keep thinking about how I will come across to others, I'll miss what's going on with them. And chances are, I'll miss the moment of grace God offers me. Now, there are two ways that love helps me see myself and others as God does. The first one is this. One is to love myself enough to be thankful for what I am and to forgive myself for what I'm not. Now, I feel this positive self-love sometimes. Sometimes I don't. But on my better days, I can feel it enough to get my eyes off of my anxieties and get a focus on... What's going on with someone else? Love also helps me to get outside myself long enough to discover that the people whose approval I need so much, they're as weak and needy as I am. Because they've got the same label I do from God. And they're trusting me a lot of the times to care about them while I'm struggling to see them through the haze of my own anxieties, if I can get outside my own neediness and see the needs of others, I'll see the moment of grace when it comes. Love lets me see past my own insecurities. And that's a sight correction I really need. Love's Sight correction, number four. Love sees through our rights. And do we live in a time and in a country where we really, really need to see this one? Success in life doesn't come from demanding and obtaining our rights. Success in life is measured by how many people get served as a result of our life. And the key to continuing uh, to long-term service to others is staying in love. One leader writes, the secret to success is to stay in love. Staying in love gives you the fire to really ignite other people, to see inside other people, to have a greater desire to get things done. A person who's not in love doesn't really find the kind of excitement that helps them get ahead and lead others to achieve. I don't know any other fire, any other thing in life ...that is more exhilarating... ...is more positive... ...than love is. Now more often than not... ...we achieve this love... ...through the forfeiture of our rights. That's exactly the context... ...that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth... ...in the two letters in your New Testament... ...to whom Paul writes... They had deprived him of certain rights. Specifically, they deprived him of his right to be paid for his work among them. But to teach them, he did what mature people always do. He gave up his rights for the greater good. And so he writes, but we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ." Do I have to tell you, that's not the spirit of our age today? To put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Why? He says, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, so I might share in its blessings. Jesus put it this way, if you want to save your life, you have to lose your life. You can't get a brand new you holding on to the bad old you. Maybe someone in this room has had their rights deprived at some point. And the result of that is that you fostered a festering bitterness. And you didn't forgive because they didn't deserve forgiveness. We'll not argue that point. But watch this, what you didn't count on was that these emotions of bitterness and anger have a spillover effect. They don't remain specific to the relationship in which you were deprived. Bitterness and anger are such powerful influences that once they fill up your heart, they're present in all your relationships. Bitterness and anger, what happens? They deprive you of life. They make you a different person. They blind you. And sometimes people will even say, I don't know why I did that. It's not like me. But it is you. Because that's what you filled your heart with. And Jesus says, Out of the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so the wall you built up to protect yourself from ever being hurt again, also keeps you from entering into a fulfilling, loving relationship with anyone. Spiritually speaking, a heart filled not filled with love is a heart that's not alive. It's a dead heart. It doesn't feel anything. And you can't give away what you don't have. You can't give someone unconditional love from an accepting heart If you don't have either one. If the love in your heart is contaminated, if growing within it is the cancer of hatred and anger and resentment, then that is all you have to give to anyone. If your hearts turn cold and hard because of hatred and anger and resentment, then that's a heart from which All your emotions spring. That's the only kind of love that you have to offer your spouse, to offer your children, to offer your parents, to offer your brothers and sisters, to offer your family here in the church. Hatred and anger and resentment truly change who you are. But listen, that's the old you. That's the old you. It's time for a brand new loving you. Because those old characteristics, they prevent us from being able to give love to those that we want to have our love. Because that's life. Love gets us out of our prison. Love breaks down the wall. Love allows us to forfeit our rights. Love allows us to extend forgiveness to unworthy people. Love gets us involved. Love sees past the labels, the insecurities, and our rights. Love can let a blind man see again. Love, it can make a brand new person out of us. You don't have to be the same you. Maybe that's why the Bible says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these, you know what it is. It's love. So I guess I'll ask you one last time. Is it still a brand new you? For God's sake, love one another as if your life depends upon it? Because it does.